everyone. This is Jeffrey Care. It's been about three months since I last gave you all quick reviews of some of the new movies that had been released in 2020. Today, I'm here to cover 15 more that I've managed to catch up on since then. On October 18th, I was able to watch One Night in Miami through a virtual screening from the Middleburg Film Festival. This movie tells a fictionalized account of the night Cassius Clay defeated Sonny Liston for the heavyweight title in February 1964, after which Clay gathers in a Miami hotel room with Malcolm X, Jim Brown, and Sam Cooke. The group celebrates the soon-to-be Muhammad Ali's upset victory, as well as their roles in the civil rights movement. For her first feature directorial outing, Regina King does a pretty good job at the helm of One Night in Miami. While this movie can come across more as a filmed stage play, she has managed to come up with a few tricks to keep the audience's attention throughout. Everyone in the cast gives charismatic and compelling performances, though the standouts to me were Kingsley Benadire as Malcolm X and Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. For those interested in watching One Night in Miami, it is now available to stream on Amazon Prime Video. On October 21st, I watched the new film adaptation of Daphne du Maurier's classic novel, Rebecca, on Netflix. After a whirlwind romance with a wealthy widower, a naive bride moves into his family's estate, but can't escape the haunting shadow of his late wife. Obviously, those familiar with this story are going to be spending time comparing this new film to that of the 1940 classic from Alfred Hitchcock. While I can understand their reasons, I'm not going to because the people behind this version have stated that it's supposed to be more in line with the original novel, so I'm going to respect their wishes and review this movie as a movie. Under the direction of Ben Wheatley, he's able to create his own interpretation of the classic story in what I found to be quite a compelling way. Lily James gives a strong performance as Mrs. De Winter. Army Hammer makes for a charismatic leading man as Maxim De Winter. I thought they both made for a very appealing on-screen couple. Kristen Scott Thomas is definitely a standout as Mrs. Danvers. The production values, especially the sets and the costumes, are really exquisite. Clint Mansell's musical score is very haunting. While this film adaptation of the Daphne du Maurier novel may not hold a candle to the Alfred Hitchcock movie, which is in my opinion a masterpiece, I still think it's pretty good for what it is. And for those interested in watching the new Rebecca, it is available to stream on Netflix. On October 24th, I watched the latest movie from writer-director Sofia Coppola, On the Rocks. Faced with sudden doubts about her marriage, a young New York mother teams up with her larger-than-life playboy father to tail her husband. I found On the Rocks to be a very enjoyable dramedy that is well anchored by some heartfelt on-screen chemistry between Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, though individually they both give great performances on their own. Jones is quite good here as a wife and mother, while Murray is wonderfully charismatic as her father. For those interested in watching On the Rocks, it is available to stream on Apple TV+. On October 25th, I watched Over the Moon on Netflix. In this animated movie musical, a young Asian girl builds a rocket ship and blasts off, hoping to meet a mythical moon goddess. I found Over the Moon to be quite a unique animated feature that told a heartfelt story about family really well. The way the movie looked is visually very imaginative. All of the musical numbers are wonderfully well realized and performed. 
God bless Netflix for giving a film like this the release platform it deserves. For those interested in watching Over the Moon, again, it is available to stream on Netflix. On November 13th, I watched The Life Ahead on Netflix. Set in seaside Italy, a Holocaust survivor with a daycare business takes in a 12-year-old street kid who recently robbed her. I found The Life Ahead to be quite a heartfelt film from Italy. In her grand return to the movies, legendary actress Sophia Loren gives an incredible performance as a Holocaust survivor who's running a daycare business. I hope she's able to continue working for the rest of her life, as her presence in any movie is always welcomed, even if it's under the direction of her son, Eduardo Ponti. I thought the little black boy perfectly held his own against Lorraine giving in what my opinion has to be the best child performance of 2020. Together, they both shared excellent chemistry that grows throughout the movie. Not to mention that the musical score by Gabriel Yared is very haunting, though Diane Warren has written a beautiful end credits song that I think perfectly captures the themes of this film. For those interested in watching The Life Ahead, it is available to stream on Netflix. On November 24th, I watched Hillbilly LG on Netflix. Inspired by a true story, an urgent phone call pulls a Yale Law student back to his Ohio hometown where he reflects on three generations of his family's history and his own future. I found Hillbilly LG to be an interesting movie that I do not think is as bad as a lot of people think it is. Overall, there are two major aspects about this film that I found most compelling. The first being J.D. Vance's relationship with his dysfunctional family. Whether or not you had that exact same kind of life as him, there are still aspects of it that I think anyone watching can easily relate to. The second is a lot of the performances I really got a kick out of. It's so much fun to see Amy Adams play a role like Bev Vance, J.D.'s troubled mother who can also be very sharp-tongued. Glenn Close as his grandmother, Mayma, is not only so damn memorable, but her character also has her moments of empathy. Though I would like to put in a good word for Gabriel Basso, whose performance as J.D. Vance I thought was able to keep the story grounded from all the arguments going on between different characters. In the end, Hillbilly LG may not be one of Ron Howard's best films. I also don't think it's one of his worst either. To me, that title still belongs to How the Grinch Stole Christmas. If anyone's interested in watching this, I'd say feel free to give it a shot if you want, though I don't think it's by any means a must-see. Again, Hillbilly LG is currently streaming on Netflix. On November 25th, I watched The Nest. In this movie, Rory is an ambitious entrepreneur who brings his American wife and kids to his native country, England, to explore new business opportunities. After abandoning the sanctuary of their safe American suburban surroundings, the family is plunged into the despairs of an archaic 80s Britain and their unaffordable new life in an English manor house threatens to destroy the family. Throughout the first two-thirds of this movie, it left me feeling cold. I thought Jude Law was giving a very charismatic performance while Carrie Coon was very emotionally effective as his American wife, though the third act of this film was when I officially started to get invested. To me, the performances from both Law and Coon not only got better, but I found the dynamics between the two of them and their children to be a major highlight. Overall, I think The Nest is admirable, but might be more of acquired taste. For those interested in watching, it is available to rent on demand. On December 4th, I watched Mank on Netflix. 
This movie chronicles a turbulent time in the life of screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz when he collaborated with Orson Welles on the original script for Citizen Kane. The two of them tangled over credit and shared in the 1941 Oscar win for Best Original Screenplay. And this has to be the most invested I've been in a movie in 2020. Mank is very much a David Fincher film that feels as if it was made in the 1940s. Everything about it from the way it looked to the way it sounded was so authentic to what movies were like back in the day. Those who are already familiar with the 1941 classic Citizen Kane will, of course, be really into this. But for those who aren't, Mank does very successfully stand on its own as such an engrossing character study. Gary Oldman gives an incredible performance as screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz. Amanda Seyfried is quite terrific as glamorous actress Marion Davies. She's even able to hold her own against Oldman in every scene they share together. Though I would definitely like to highlight the performances from Lily Collins and what I think is her best work yet as Herman's secretary, Rita Alexander, and Tom Burke, who is very powerful in the third act as Orson Welles. Overall, I think Mank has to be the most haunting showbiz drama set in Hollywood since Sunset Boulevard. For those interested in watching Mank, it is available to stream on Netflix. On December 5th, I watched Sound of Metal on Amazon Prime Video. In this film, a drummer begins to lose his hearing and has to come to grips with a future that will be filled with silence. You know how sometimes you're able to see a movie through its main character's eyes? Well, in the case of Sound of Metal, we, the audience, are able to hear this movie through Ruben Stone's ears. The sound work on display in the film is very inventive, not just in the scenes where there's a musical performance going on, but all throughout as Ruben experiences his hearing troubles. At times it feels as though we, the audience, are almost as deaf as him. As that character, Riz Ahmed not only gives such a powerhouse performance, but he is also able to stay compelling in his quieter moments. Olivia Cook is also quite good in the scenes she does appear in. The two of them even share a pretty heartfelt moment near the end. Overall, I found The Sound of Metal to be a very admirable film that gives such a rare look at what the deaf community goes through on a regular basis. For those interested in watching, The Sound of Metal is available to stream on Amazon Prime Video. On December 7th, I watched Ammonite. Set in 1840s England, paleontologist Mary Anning and a young woman by the name of Charlotte are sent on a task by the sea by the latter's husband. There, the two of them develop an intense relationship, though despite the differences between their personalities, Mary and Charlotte discover that they can each offer what the other has been searching for, the realization that they are not alone. It is the beginning of a passionate and all-consuming love affair that will defy all social bounds and alter the course of both their lives. This movie was a very mixed bag for me. On the plus side, I thought Kate Winslet and Saoirse Ronan both individually gave understated yet very effective performances. I also enjoyed their chemistry together, which really kept my attention throughout. Though on the downside, everything else about Damonite left me feeling both cold and bored at the same time. To anyone who might have interest in watching this, I suggest only renting it on demand. On December 11th, I watched The Prom on Netflix. 
The story follows four eccentric Broadway stars who are in desperate need of career revivals. They find a stage and a cause when they hear about Emma Nolan, a high school student in a small Indiana town who is forbidden from bringing her girlfriend Alyssa to prom. But when their self-absorbed celebrity activism unexpectedly backfires, the foursome find their own lives upended as they rally to give Emma a night where. She can truly celebrate who she is. I found the prom to be a very enjoyable movie musical with some great moments of humor and heart. I loved how director Ryan Murphy added in some surreal color schemes to a lot of the musical numbers, which should help audiences suspend their disbelief whenever any of the characters burst into song. Everyone in the cast looked like they were having such a great time making this movie. I really liked newcomer Joelle and Pelman as Emma Nolan. She was not only talented in the singing department. But I thought she also gave such a heartfelt performance. I hope she goes on to have a successful career in show business. While straight performer James Corden has gotten a lot of flack for his performance as a gay flamboyant character, I actually thought he was much better than what people have been giving him credit for. I may be a straight man myself, but I thought James managed to pull off the flamboyant personality very well without coming across as a stereotype. Not to mention that as Barry Glickman, he really. Had such a great character arc, which led to quite a touching moment near the end of the film. While I may be a little biased, given that she's from my area of residence, as well as the fact that I interviewed her shortly before she began filming this movie, I do mean it when I say that Ariana DeBose as Alyssa Green was definitely a standout to me. I thought she had great chemistry with Joellen Pelman, as well as her character's mother, played by Carrie Washington, the latter of whom she also has a great scene with near the end. If you're looking for something to lift your spirits up at a time like this, I think it's worth taking a trip to the prom on Netflix. On December 16th, I watched Wolfwalkers on Apple TV+. The story is set in a time of superstition and magic when wolves are seen as demonic in nature and evil to be tamed. A young apprentice hunter comes to Ireland with her father to wipe out the last pack, but when she saves a wild native girl, their friendship leads her to discover the world of the wolfwalkers and transform her into the very thing her father is tasked to destroy. I found Wolfwalkers to be such a unique movie for a number of reasons. I was very emotionally invested in the characters and the journey they went on. I really liked the mythology that was established here. I thought the sound work was very inventive. Not to mention then this day and age where CG has pretty much become the norm in mainstream animated movies. It's so refreshing to see a feature-length film done in 2D animation. There are several sequences that I. Found it to be so incredibly breathtaking. I think Wolfwalkers deserves to be in the pantheon of great PG-rated fantasy adventure films of yesteryear, like The Dark Crystal and Labyrinth. For those interested in watching, Wolfwalkers is available to stream on Apple TV Plus. On December 18th, I watched Marini's Black Bottom on Netflix. Based on August Wilson's stage play of the same name, tensions rise when the trailblazing mother of the blues and her band gather at a Chicago recording studio in 1927. For a story set around a recording session, this could have easily felt like a filmed play. Though, with that being said, director George C. Wolfe does some solid work in making the finished product more movie-like. 
With the help of Ruben Santiago Hudson's screenplay, not only are there scenes that take place outside of the recording studio, but the scenes set inside of the recording studio don't feel long like you would expect in a stage play. I should also give a shout out to editor Andrew Mondeschine for keeping the film pretty well paced, especially with how balanced it is with the two main characters. The always reliable Viola Davis does indeed give a strong performance as real-life blues singer Ma Rainey. However, Chadwick Boseman is absolutely incredible in his final performance as Marini's trumpeter, Levy Green. His character not only has quite a spunky personality, but he also delivers such rich monologues. For someone who died way too soon, this was a great performance to go out on. I also enjoyed the supporting performances from Coleman Domingo, Michael Potts, Glenn Turman, and Jeremy Shamos. The costumes designed by the legendary Anne Roth are very elaborate, and the musical score by Branford Marcellus is very fittingly jazzy. For those interested in watching Marini's Black Bottom, it is available to stream on Netflix. On December 25th, I watched Soul on Disney+. This movie follows middle school band teacher Joe Gardner, who gets the opportunity of a lifetime to play at the best jazz club in New York City. But one day, he finds himself in a fantastical world known as the Great Before, a place where new souls develop before they arrive on Earth. What starts out as a fun comedy where two characters of different backgrounds have to team up ends with such emotionally enriching themes. I found the main character voiced by Jamie Foxx to be very charismatic and relatable. The designs of everything in The Great Before from the characters to the landscapes are so imaginative. The musical score by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross is quite unique. In my opinion, Soul proves to be an instant classic that I think is right up there with some of the best animated films Disney and Pixar has ever made. It should be enjoyed by audiences of all ages. For those interested in watching, Soul is currently streaming on Disney+. On December 30th, I was able to watch a screener of Promising Young Woman. The story follows Cassie, a young woman who is haunted by a tragedy in her past that takes revenge on the predatory men unlucky enough to cross her path. This movie is such a dark, twisted comedic thriller that surprisingly has its moments of heart. Kudos to writer-director Emerald Fennell for pulling off that kind of tone in her feature directorial debut. Magnetic performance from Carrie Mulligan in what I think is her most impressive work to date. She gets to show off quite a range of personalities as her character from being seductive to having her share of empathy as well. I also loved her chemistry with Bo Burnham's character. With so many twists and turns this movie takes, I think the end results are so freaking awesome. For those interested in watching Promising Young Woman, it is now available to rent on demand. So that just about does it for this round of my quick movie reviews. In fact, this will actually be the last time I'll be providing you some here on the podcast. The reason why is because I've decided to start growing the Cure Reviews website more by including reviews of every single new release I've seen from here on out right there. For example, whatever new movie I catch up on next, I will publish my review of it on the website immediately. 
As soon as the review is published, I'll be sure to share it with all of my followers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I've already got one up for the recently released Pieces of a Woman, which you can find a link to in the episode notes. For anyone who is interested in keeping track of the films I've been watching, you can follow me on Letterboxd at Jeffrey Care. If you love this show, please leave us a review. Go to ratethispodcast.com slash carereviewspodcast and follow the simple instructions. Feel free to subscribe to wherever you get this podcast. If you'd like to find more content from me, please visit my website, which is www.carereviews.net. You can also find it on Twitter at carereviews and me at Jeffrey Care. Thanks for listening, and I will see you all later.